0: Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now, here's your host, Richard Bliss.
1: Welcome to the show. You're listening to episode 228. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and we have a great show for you today. It's going to be the topic of why those Magic the Gathering players are great playtesters to absolutely break your game. But before we go to my guest, a word from our sponsor. As a sponsor of Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, we are thrilled to announce that your host, Richard Bliss, will be speaking at Good Crowd 14, the social enterprise and crowdfunding conference at Snowbird, Utah, on September 26th. Register today at 30% off the early registration price at the exclusive Funding the Dream registration page, secfc.co forward slash dream. My guest today is someone who I have uh, known for a little while, um, mainly because of the complexity and the nature of what they've been doing. And I I found it intriguing because it's beyond my scope. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to bring him on to talk about what he's doing, because I think a lot of you who are listening are probably intrigued as well by the creation of complex card games, how you play test them, set them up, organize them, build out that whole process. And, uh, I thought, you know, let's have somebody on and talk about it. So my guest is Larry Lemke. Larry, thank you for joining me on the show.
0: Oh, no, it's no problem. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: Larry, you have, uh, you're known out on the internet. People can find you spellforgegames.com. Is that right? Yep. That's correct. Yeah. And so, um, let's just do a little bit of background. You're, uh, you're based out of Louisville, Kentucky. Yep. Uh, you, uh, you do internet marketing as a business you, I, I think you told me that you're a fitness coach yeah uh, doing some work there uh and, and we had an interesting conversation didn't we uh talking about you're the one that shared it with me um you have an interesting tattoo <laughs> so it's one thing to go to the gym and see all these guys beefed up and they got Simpify, and they got and the barbed wire right?
0: and stuff like that
1: right yeah. and <laughs> and you've got something quite quite interesting that that maybe doesn't start calling conversations with a bunch of
0: bodybuilders. What is that? Yeah, uh, I actually have a beholder the, the 30th anniversary D the Todd Lockwood piece uh, the beholder sitting at the table with the the illithid and the vampire drinking uh, drinking a beer. Um, yeah, I've got that tattooed. It's uh it definitely gets a lot of attention at Gen Con though.
1: <laughs> I so and where do you have that on your is that on your shoulder?
0: It's on my right arm, so oh, right yeah. around my uh, sleeve. Yeah, I'll have to—I'll send you a picture. So oh, that'll
1: be bats. fun. So, yeah, yeah, I bet you at Gen Con you get a lot of attention. No, it, I
0: get stopped constantly. Yeah, and in the
1: gym, uh, nice. do, does
0: anybody say anything? No one even bats an eye. You know, occasionally I'll be walking down the street and someone will notice it, but yeah, that's—that's that's about it. Not a lot of D and D guys uh, lifting <laughs> weights. No, no, not too many. You know, I, I know I mentioned uh, you know about gamification and, and weightlifting and how you know younger guys are starting to take to to lifting weights and, and fitness because it's. You know, it's a way to gamify, you know, your life, you know, you're always going in and you're always lifting weight. And every time you're going in, you're lifting something more than you have before. You, you added five pounds, or you're doing an extra rep and, um, you know, it's kind of like leveling up in real life. It's, it's really rewarding to see that.
1: Well, I know that we're starting to see that with wearable tech, like Fitbits and mm-hmm. Nike fuels and apps that are on the phone, like a, a habit RPG, I think was one app that I've been playing around with. That's actually mm-hmm. an RPG game of your habits. Yeah, and so that's uh, that is that's really interesting that you make that observation that that fitness is becoming a game.
0: Yeah, well, it's yeah. a way to look at it where it's not you know a chore; it's more of a you know something you can do a cool activity and, and it's really rewarding.
1: Well, I'm just too old for it to ever be anything but a chore. So <laughs> unless it's a real game, and I think I, t- I shared with you, I play <laughs> basketball. Unless I'm you know running up and down the court, and my Fitbit tells me I do five or six miles. Uh, on the basketball court on Saturday morning. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's not like I'm it's not... better than anything, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not than like mostly. I'm
0: slouching, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, that weight room is just like, nah, yeah. I'm not going in there. The, the, those weights are heavy, man. <laughs> they are,
1: and, they, and people pick them up like, and then put them back down and then pick them up. What are yeah, they doing?
0: That's, I know, that's, what, that's all they do, yeah. <laughs> that's all they do.
1: So, well, that's kind of fun. Now, you also are a game designer, and one of the reasons that uh, I wanted to have you on the show was because... You live in an area um, that is heavily influenced – well, let's see. Maybe – I don't want to overspeak, but sure. a lot of uh, Magic the Gathering.
0: Yeah, there's – I live kind of central, um, central, you know, where Louisville's very close to, you know, a lot of the major cities, Atlanta, Chicago, you know, Cincinnati. Um, so it's easy to travel, and there's uh, several, you know, state champions that live in the Louisville area.
1: State, uh, state champions. For, as for it, Magic the Gathering, Magic the Gathering state champions, and this is something that you and I talked about: is that Magic the Gathering has kind of transcended it. Uh, I don't consider it a game anymore. Um, we mm-hmm. were talking about the gameplay; it's like chess isn't really a game, poker's not a game. Uh, when you it's watch kind it, of
0: the pinnacle of, of what it is. Yeah,
1: right. It, it's reached its because. You watch Magic the Gathering players, they don't look like they're having any fun. You watch World Series of Poker guys, they don't look like they're having any yeah. fun. And yeah, you watch, it's kind of like
0: The Matrix when you, when you think about Neo and The Matrix. He's looking at it and he sees it totally different than everyone else does. And yeah, and they don't, look like they,
1: they don't look like they're playing, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're very mechanical is the term that you use. But that can be to your advantage, particularly when you're designing fairly complex, something like complex card games, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So I know I, I mentioned that briefly. So, you know, when you have a magic player, you know, or a poker player or whatever, um, the, I call it competitive players, players that are competitive in their in their game, whatever they play, um, they tend to look at the games differently, you know, where, you know, a casual group of gamers will sit down and just kind of, you know, play and whatever happens, happens. Usually when you have, uh, you know, someone that's good, talented at magic um, they sit down and play the game, and they're not just playing to have fun. They're they're trying to break the game. They're trying to, you know, uh, you know, get as much value out of whatever they have. Uh, you know, make sure their plays are as efficient as possible. Um, and that's you know, that's very beneficial when you're designing a game and playtesting a game because these people, you know, it's kind of it's like their job to break the mechanic of the game to try to push the game as far as it can and and really find these you know these really subtle interactions that you know most people wouldn't see. And and it's really valuable for playtesting and and. maybe Maybe not the most fun to play with, you know, just uh, casually. Well, that's interesting because what they're trying to do is break the other person's deck. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're trying to, you know, to break their deck um, and, and trying to make it play as efficiently as possible. Um, while, you know, mitigating the opponent and and trying to... Yeah, I've played some games money. with some hardcore <laughs>
1: Magic players <laughs> who forgot yeah. that we were playing a game. <laughs> yeah, a friendly game. Yeah, we're playing a yeah. friendly yeah. game. And I... I, I I do not play magic, so mm-hmm. I don't even have the ability to casually be involved. Yeah, yeah. And we weren't playing magic, we were playing just another game. Actually we were playing Dominion. And was I taught him how to play Dominion and then he yeah. just and the and the setup, you know, because it's so random in Dominion with all mm-hmm. the different cards, this particular one allowed a particular combination to be deployed. Yeah. And that's all he did, and broke the game, and yeah, you know, yeah. it was one hundred and fifty thousand to zero. Oh wow!
0: And it was just that's, like that's an interaction that you know a lot of people wouldn't even see, or, or maybe right because that's they all had he had was it. trying to do. Yep,
1: he even admitted yep. he sat down, looked, and said, "Okay, how can I break this?"
0: Yeah. Yeah and that's how most people view the game, you know, as far as competitive players. They view the game from that, that stance where if I'm gonna play the game, I need it to be the most effective and the most efficient, so I'm gonna to try to break everything I have available to me. Yep.
1: Right. But uh, you can use that to your advantage because then when you send your game to them for playtesting, mm-hmm. they're not gonna they're not gonna critique you on the theme. Yeah, and they're not gonna critique yeah. you on the you know, the story elements. They're gonna send it back and
0: say, Uh, it was broken here. <laughs> yeah, right? this mechanic is wrong. You know, this value is wrong, um, which is really good. You know, I mean, you need every kind of feedback. You need to know thematically if it works, if people like it. You need to know if your art looks good. You need to know if the rules are. You know, they can read them and and you can flow through the rules and set up the game. But you also need that valuable feedback. You know, is this game broken? Is this mechanic broken? And I think there's no better no better people to play test it um, in that regard than you know competitive specifically competitive Magic players. You yep. Know. So you've got a
1: game that you've been working on for I think. I think you told me for about a year uh, card game fairly complex
0: yeah, yeah. it's uh, so the name of the game is Faux hunters and it's a uh, i've been <laughs> I've been calling it a um, fantasy co-op adventure deck building game right um and it's kind of uh it's kind of like a mix between like sentinels in the multiverse and like a like the DC deck-building game. I don't know if you ever played that. But uh, basically, um, you have several classes. Um, you know, the players take the role of, of one of these classes. And then they're all collectively um, fighting, the you know, one of the foes. And there's four foes in the game and 12 heroes in the game right now. Um, and it's uh, there's a, a lot of complexity there because unlike most deck-building games, um, each – each class has its own specific starting deck, so you don't have, you know, three three vulnerabilities and seven punches or whatever it is. You know, you have a unique deck for every single class. So the interactions, the amount of interactions there are, you know, there's <laughs> quite a few. And then you add the the complexity of a whole, you know, the deck building aspect. So you have a city deck that you know is constantly adding new cards to the game that players can purchase. Um, it is yeah, it gets pretty, pretty, so, pretty crazy.
1: So and and. Because every game has a card element of some mm-hmm. kind. In this yeah. case, though, the, um, the, the, the deck building is a mechanic. Co-op mm-hmm. is a bit of a mechanic. Yeah. And so in the mechanical side of the card play, um, with all of these cards, hundreds of cards, how do you, how do you go through the process of kind of keeping track of all of it? Because I wouldn't yeah, even I wouldn't even know where to start.
0: <laughs> it uh, it definitely was a challenge at first. I uh, you know you mentioned that you have you know different different layers of card games and you know every game even you know almost any board game at all has has some kind of card element. But usually the card will be you know get two wood or or move one space or whatever. It's very easy, very concise. Um, but as you start adding these elements, where all right you know target player gets one wood. Just that change where you're targeting someone completely changes you know the dynamic of the game. Um, and now, as you add complexity levels like that, you know where cards can interact with other players or interact with other cards in play, um, that adds a lot of a lot of headache and, and mechanical issues So you know originally, when I started developing the game, um, right now it has uh, four hundred and four cards in it so it's uh, it's pretty heavy when it comes to the cards and you know I started off with a google uh, like a Google Docs spreadsheet, um, and each cell was its own card you know I'd have the name, you know the text for the card. Uh, the type for the card, and uh, you know that's how I kind of kept track of it. Uh, and originally. then you, would you, would
1: you print out that
0: yep. cell? So I'd, I'd print out uh, sheets of cells and just uh, cut them out and put them in sleeved, uh, sleeved magic cards, and we would just play test that way. And it was, uh, you know, it's not, obviously not the prettiest thing, but it's definitely a way that someone can design a game with a hundred cards and start play testing. Because I think you know a lot of people think you can't start play testing a card game until you have, you know, cards. You know, but that's a very easy way. It's it's easier than writing each you know piece on an index card and then shuffling it up. So um, it's definitely a way to get there. And then I've actually shifted. Uh, you know, after that, um, I found a, a program that worked very well for me. Uh, the name of the program is Magic Set Editor. Um, so let me just Magic sure. Set Editor. So S E
1: T yep. Magic Set Editor. What and yep. is it a uh, online? Is it software um, you download? Yeah, you can
0: find it. It's it's freeware online. Uh, I think it's at uh, Magic Set Editor. SourceForge. Net. Um, I'll send you a link at some point, but uh, yeah, it's it's free to download, free to use, um, and basically it it's kind of like um, like man, I'm I'm losing the name like a Adobe Publisher kind of or something like that. You know when you use to publish PDFs, it sure. basically has a template and there's areas of the template that are you know you can edit modify. Um, so I actually made my own custom template for the game, uh, which you probably need a little coding knowledge to do, but there's, you know, hundreds of free templates out there that you can find, um, that'll have different, you know, spots in the card editable. And, and basically it'll have a picture of your card and you can edit you know the elements inside the card actually, you know, on the card image. Then you have your database of cards. And the cool thing about the the program, besides the fact that it's free and well supported, is that you know you can sort um, by any any element. So let's say you have you know let's say you have a card. Um, in my game, for an instance, I have names, types, uh, class you know, cost, um, stuff like that. So I could apply these tags to the cards and say, all right, I want to see all the cards that cost, you know, two experience. Well, I can filter that by, by that variable and see, you know, here's all the cards um, that cost us experience. Now let's say I need to edit them or or find a card quickly. Um, you know, it's really, really good like that. Um, it's been,
1: and that's what, and that's what's allowed you then. How did you, did you have to just start
0: over? Or is that import feature to import? So, no, no, it's uh, you yeah. Uh, it ask me what's taking me the most time, and the most time has been, you know, importing cards from a spreadsheet into that program, and then from that program into you know their specific Photoshop files, and it's a uh, that's been a lot of the time. So yeah, I had to manually uh, input every single card from my document into into Magic's editor, and then you know once you get them in there, though, once you know as you play test and make notes, you can go right into the program, quickly find the card, uh, and make your revisions. There and export uh, Magic's editor lets you export uh, either in bulk by uh, by the name of the of the card, um, or you can just export single cards. Um, you can export them as JPEGs, or uh, you can actually export several files as an HTML file, HTML file, and then upload those, and you can view them online. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty robust for what it is, and it's it's just invaluable for people that are trying to design you know card games like that.
1: Magic Set Editor, mm-hmm. you know, it's fascinating the impact that. Magic has had um, as it permeates because you're talking about from a playtesting standpoint. You know, go find your Magic friends, have them playtest yeah. your card game. Um, you know, and most of them won't even care about the artwork, right? They'll just they'll just you know break it for you. Uh, the, the online tools, online printing, uh, just the ability, and then the the groups that are out there, the support groups to be able to talk to uh, other people. It's just a fascinating how much change has happened over the last couple of years. With the implementation of Kickstarter, with so many games are out there that are having success out there.
0: Oh, it's crazy! You know, uh, when you when you think about, or at least when Magic players think about, you know, making games. Um, there's a really popular game called Ascension that was made by sure. a of Magic players, um, and you know, obviously that had the kind of that. That marketing platform, where you know this is created by you know former Magic pros, so uh, Magic players took to the game, and um, that's one of those games where it's very mechanical. You can tell in the in the design of the game, you know, the wording, the phrasing, the way the mechanics work, um, that you know Magic players probably had a you know had a part in in building that game. But it's yeah, you know, the community out there is definitely um, it, it's very valuable for people. Especially card, you know, card game designers, and you know, I say my game's a card game because it uses cards, but I like to think of it more as a, a board game. You know, it's not a collectible card game, it's not you know trading card game or whatever. Um, it's definitely a static. You know, you sit down and play with people. There's no trading element. You know, when you open the box, you'll get what it is. Um, but yeah, you, it's not a collectible to... card game. You mean you're not going to make lots of money selling <laughs> mul- right? Yeah, I think, I think I'm uh, not going to fall into that trap. You know, oh. I, now ideally, you know, with the way it's set up now, you know, uh, you know, my hopes are I can, you know, Press out or publish many um, expansions, you know, of maybe a class or two, or maybe a new foe or whatever. Um, you know, that's kind of honestly, I haven't really thought much about that. You know, I'm trying to just, give my, right, just th- take one, tackle <laughs>
1: one problem, one yeah. project at a time.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, Larry, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to just kind of come on, talk about this process. Um, I think that the insight of uh, Magic the Gathering players as beta testers of your. Of your mechanics to break it, I think that's a great insight. I think a lot of people might miss that. That um, those guys are the people that you really want to be able to do that. And then this tool, being able to manage and coordinate all those cards. Those, are, those are two really good pieces of information. I certainly appreciate you coming out, coming on the
0: show, and sharing that. Hey, it's no problem. Hopefully, I can help someone uh, that was in my position trying to figure out a way to to do this figure it out you know that's one of my things i'm just one guy and you know it's a very ambitious project and there's a lot of a lot of elements and a lot of interaction you know i mean you can think of you know hundreds of thousands of interactions with with that many cards so
1: well and um, we didn't even talk yeah. about like art you showed me some of the art <laughs> yeah. that's awesome yeah. right i'll yeah. have
0: to i'll have to spoil some of that um, yeah. i'm gonna try to I actually have a design blog um on the website where can people find where can people it, find you yeah, so it's spellforgegames.com, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash spellforgegames. So, this um, so everybody know, spell for being a guy from Kentucky, you talk pretty fast. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm going to give it a time. I'm <laughs> going to hear about that. I'm going to hear
1: about that comment. So, spellforgegames.com. Yeah, yeah. And that's where they can find you. And then it's facebook.com slash spellforgegames.
0: Spellforge yep. All one word. Um, and you stay pretty active out there. Uh, I try to, yeah. I need to get more active. You know, it's it's kind of hard when you when you do it all day for, for other people. It's kind of hard to get yourself motivated to kind of do it for it yourself. Is. So it is. Do it is. Well, I yeah. certainly appreciate you uh, to spending some time with us. Hey, it's no problem at all. It was really a pleasure.
1: You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Larry Lemke, a uh, card game designer um, who also has – develop some tool not develop but use some tools that have been proved to be very useful his information here i like the magic the gathering go find your magic the gathering for friends you actually need them now um they're i know they're irritating but now they'll actually be useful to you um that's for all the euro gamers that are listening and don't forget to visit patreon.com slash richard bliss to go and pledge for the podcast to keep it going and show your support thanks for listening take care